started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's your Elvis impression right there. That's his burp. Yeah, final, butter and banana final, final impression. <laughs> hey, hello, and welcome to Mount Rushmore, where each episode we deface a perfectly good granite mountain by carving it into our stupid opinions on any given subject. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined as always by Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. And this episode's subject is Mount Rushmore of Fake Elvises. Richard, why did you choose this? Um, I have no earthly idea. <laughs> I I think I was watching some show that um, it might have been Tiny Elvis from America's, SNL. America's top fake Elvises. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It was something, and I just Tiny started Elvis was so good. I just started thinking about there's no character in pop culture that gets sort of used in more bizarre ways. Than Elvis. Than Elvis, yeah. Like that Elvis is presented as a character who has no, is nothing like Elvis, or it's supposed to be this bizarro sort of, you know, world version of Elvis yeah. doing things that he never did. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of where I got the idea from. Well, why did we like it? Michael, did you get excited about this for some reason? Yeah, I remember this was like a, a maybe a comment on like a Facebook post or something. And it just, it, I think because of the iconography yeah. of, this dead man, yeah, uh, and that does exist in a lot of weird ways. It's, I don't know. I, I it just seemed like it would be a, a fun topic. Yeah, to talk I about. think one God, of the, that was that was really terrible. Mike, what, <laughs> what, what a boring answer. I don't know. I like the way he looks, so it was kind of fun. I'm like, I don't know, whatever. Sometimes I twiddling I'm, my hair. I like a subject just because one person is excited about. It, you want to know what the hell they're going to say, right? So, well, one thing I think is fascinating about. Um, um, the amount of pop culture imagery that that points back kind of uses as a footnote either the legit actual Elvis like I remember reading that the number of Elvis impersonators has like tripled every year since the demise of Elvis <laughs> when Elvis was around there weren't how is that po- how is that possible I mean now we're at, you'd have to be at like more Elvis impersonators than there are people in yeah. the world or well, something that is, yeah it is funny yeah at this at this going rate we are all some Elvis impersonators. Um, but, as as uh, Mojo Nixon would say, Elvis is yeah, everywhere. Elvis is everywhere. Um, he's even. What do you say? There's some Elvis in uh, Michael J. Fox, but he's trying to get out. No, of no, my, yeah, because Michael J. Fox <laughs> is the anti-Elvis. Is the anti-Elvis. Um, what I think is interesting about too is like all the things that we think about when I think of Elvis. He also stole from somebody else. Like he, exactly. He took the music from the uh, African American musicians, and he took the hairdo from a comic book character and the suit from Rockabilly guys. So if he never had that jumpsuit phase, though, would yeah. would there have been like we're probably going to get it? We're I'm guessing we're getting into like the different levels of like ETAs. Did you research any of that, Richard? What no uh, Elvis tribute artists? It's the official name. For is that their them. name? They're not impersonators. They're it's a tribute artist. They're called ETAs. Please, man, don't don't say don't say impersonator. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good, Jeff. Don't say, don't say impersonator. What Elvis walked in? The <laughs> Elvis room. has entered the building. <laughs> uh, if there was never that jumpsuit era of you know the last yeah years of his life, do you think that that his iconography would be as big as it was because everything that I've researched it seems to it, there's either two there's like two versions you either it's like the 1950s early version with the like white jacket yeah yeah or it's the gold Vegas, Vegas version Elvis, yeah, yeah. Or, or comeback special Elvis no, yeah no, Vegas you is don't so really huge. get the comeback special Elvis nobody does that in I the, don't think in the Vegas reviews I've seen you see comebacks mm, maybe but not walking around no you wouldn't see him at like because I think a the 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 uh 
70s Vegas Elvis is mm-hmm. more kitsch and fun to play. Yeah. And also, let's face it, most of the guys who play Elvis aren't going to look very good in a yeah. black uh, leather <laughs> yeah. jumpsuit. All right, we might as well just jump in. So this is Richard's choice, so Michael goes first. My first is uh, Andy Kaufman, who I guess oh, probably cool. has one of the more famous Elvis impressions. Um, Perhaps one of the first. Uh, yeah, even though... You know, looking into this, I, I that was my assumption too. I thought, well, Elvis, you know, Andy Kaufman did one of the first, but I guess ever since he was kind of around, people have been doing Elvis impersonations. But I think what was, uh, I, I think he played up the character, his Elvis character so well based on his foreign man character because yeah. he would do his stand up and it would be odd and strange and he'd do his, uh, you know, this crappy impressions and he'd turn around and do Elvis and you'd think it would be just as crappy and then he would do like a spot on. Yeah, uh, you know, full sweat and full, yeah, you know, lip curl and everything, and uh, I, I just like the idea that he could take on the aspect so effort, effortlessly, but then also he became uh, kind of mythic in the same way that Elvis did when he died. Oh yeah. So Elvis, you know, he even took that to, <laughs> he even went as far as to take on the attributes of. You know, there's still a handful of people that believe that Elvis is still around and that there are still a handful of people that think that Andy Kaufman is still around doing this big long con because of all of the other long cons that he did. Aren't Mm -hmm. those pretty much the lyrics to Man in the Moon? Didn't you pretty much the whole song? Yeah, you know, it's a good song. It is a really good song. Let me ask you guys. I I play that on guitar. We we got a guitar here if you want me to uh, bust it out. (laughs) We don't have the rights yet. Well, that is a funny, I think that's such a funny uh, uh, observation that they are two people who people believe uh, are not indeed dead. And there are two people who, uh, no, I don't have a second. There's nothing. I don't know what the fuck I was going to say. You're going to say something. It was going to felt be, good. It was going to be really, yeah, I was revving up for that. I think I got the idea that he uh, invented the Elvis impersonation from reading Bob Zamuda's book. So I can assume that it's probably incorrect and just a complete lie. Yeah. Because well, everything in that damn book uh, is wrong. Yeah. I think, you br- I think, Jeff, you brought this up on an earlier podcast where we talked about it offline at some point. Where uh, I think Richard, you asked whether the Bob Zamuda was still doing it, or uh, I don't even remember. God, what, what am I going? Oh, we were talking about the uh, Tony Clifton. That's what it was. That's what it was. And if there's anything that could help promote Bob Zamuda, right? As you know, as part of the mythology of Andy Kaufman, mm-hmm. and then tie that back into Elvis, I could see how um, he would still propagate that myth. Like, well, this is the guy that invented it, so. I'm part of that too. Yeah. And I think the interesting, one of the interesting things about Andy Kaufman doing Elvis is that it was one of the few bits that he did that was really like a bit. Yeah. So something that could be repeated over and over again that actually had sort of a, say a more traditional comedic. Yeah. He could go on Carson and do Elvis. Yeah. Yeah, That that, there's your tight five minutes, you know, back Mm -hmm. then when every comic needed to go on a you know talk show or something. I think that maybe that was, going to say earlier is foreign man is on stage pretending to be an entertainer and failing and he succeeds at the end by very uh doing a very good impersonation of kind of the ultimate entertainer of uh the second half of the 20th century so but then he turns back into foreign man at the yeah, end yeah thank you very much yeah mm-hmm. yeah Okay, uh, um, Michael came out swinging with Andy Kaufman. Richard, what's your first? My first one is the Thai Elvis, right. um, who is, was, I mean, we'll get into that in a second, but 
um, an entertainer at Palm's Thai here in Los Angeles on Hollywood Boulevard, not too far from where I live. And it's a Thai restaurant. I've been there a couple of times at least. I haven't been in a while. Um, and it's a type of place where you can get like wild boar, which by the way, if you want to get wild boar, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit gamey. Well, it's wild. Yeah, yeah wild. it's a wild it's boar. I, I don't know why I thought it would not be, but even uh, for wild, being wild boar, it's Wild, wild turkey gamey. is a bit gamey. Don't have wild turkey either. No. Well, <laughs> the alcohol? Yeah. Okay. I remember seeing Ty Elvis and thinking he was cute and endearing and kind of not really doing a very good Elvis impersonation. Yeah, so the, who Ty Elvis is, is there is, a, there is a Ty gentleman, older. I think when I saw him, he's probably in his 50s. By that point, last time I saw him, that's 10, 15 years ago. Um, and he does the, while you're eating, he'll get up there on stage five nights a week and do a, do performances as Ty Elvis. And, you know, he's got the full, again, the blue sort of karate sequin garb. And he just sings Elvis songs and he does all the moves. He's got the hair and the sideburns. And his car says T, his, uh, his car's license plate is T Elvis. Yeah. Not the transgender Elvis I was hoping for. Or Ted Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know if he's good. I went and listened to a couple of YouTube videos that had him. And it, it's, he certainly still has his accent. Yeah. He, he's not attempting. I think he's someone who de- is a decent singer, can do like a decent vocal impersonation of Elvis, but has never really lost his accent, which is kind of the endearing charm of it, I mm-hmm. suppose. So I'm looking down this list of ETAs and different categories within the ETA. Which one do you think that he falls into? Uh, Look-alike? No. Sound-alike? Keep that one in mind. Okay. Uh, So I'm going to rule out the the combination, the combo platter of those two. No. Uh, Pastiche, who looks like, sounds, and writes songs in the style of Elvis? No. Uh, Professional? No. Uh, Well, I don't know. He probably got paid for it. I don't think I don't assume he just showed up there. Yeah, five wild times boar. A week. He got, he got all the wild boar he could eat. Yeah, <laughs> hunt and eat. Uh, an amateur or fun slash comedy. So probably somewhere between amateur and professional, or amateur and sound alike. Because I think he really tried to sound like. And I say past tense because I know he had a stroke back in the early like 2010 or something. I just came back for a few years, and I think he's not performing anymore. I had a stroke right before you guys got here. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say if you're doing something different with your face, <laughs> the. That's no, that's my Elvis impersonation. My lips just twitching. The Vegas Elvis became a parody of the younger Elvis. So I feel like when you see the person who falls into the the uh, comedy slash mm-hmm. parody slash whatever, it it is interesting because that remark that the Vegas Elvis is somebody who's maybe a little bit punchier, you know, can right. usually bring it up. That I think that's very interesting because you're you're already kind of imitating somebody who became an imitation of themselves. So. Yeah, the first time I saw Ty Elvis was for my birthday. It was I think it must have been my twenty fifth. I think it was before I had kids and anything like that. But it was like a biggish birthday. And he must have been in a bad mood. I don't know what was going on with Ty Elvis. Karate kicking people. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was like, it was blue Ty Elvis. Oh, this is Like, awesome. I don't know if he got dumped or or mm-hmm. what was going on in his life, but it was just all the, uh, wow. all, all, all the sad Elvis songs. <laughs> love me tender, love me true. I thought you meant That's blue. exactly how he sounded. So, um, not what, blues. What blue. I've heard ETAs usually have in common is that 
I've seen I've seen maybe like five legit Elvis impersonators in my life, and they always say in an interview, "I'm not trying to pretend that I'm him. I just want to share in the love that people have for the King." And the idea that people love Ty Elvis so much because he's this cute, charming little guy who clearly yeah. loves doing what he's doing, that you just just get swept up in the fun of it. I think. Yeah, I mean, even when he was in his blue period, that one time I saw him, it was still a hoot to see him. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Okay, what's your second, Michael? Uh, my second is Elvez, the Mexican Elvis. Oh, Very fun. nice. And uh, he's an entertainer, a singer, comedian um, out of San Diego and Los Angeles. I think he lives up in Seattle now, but um, he's been playing this character of Elvez, the Mexican Elvis, which he, he seems to have to say with any times he's on stage. Like if, if the jumpsuit and the big pompadour didn't didn't tell you he was being Elvis and... The fact that you're Elvez and you've been doing this for like 35 yeah. years. Uh, that should be a clue. But he's been putting out albums and performing on stage in like a kind of combo of... He sings his own songs. He sings covers of songs. Yeah. He sings covers of... David Bowie and Queen songs as well, mm-hmm. you know, general rock and roll, and then combine that with uh, mariachi. Yeah. Uh, in this uh, rock and roll tribute, this Elvis tribute, that's also part like uh, political stance. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely satire and politics involved. Yeah, he sings a lot about, you know, the plight of the Mexican immigrant, mm-hmm. and especially, you know, and he's been doing it in and around LA. And, uh, you know, last week, uh, we talked about jackets and we talked about like the leather jacket and yeah, we talked the fuck out of leather, <laughs> out of jackets and jean jackets and how they can be like these templates for whatever you want to be. And Elvis, like going through my list and listening to, to Richard talk so far, like Elvis seems to be this person or this image of him that you can apply to everything. And if you want to apply it to a political stance and a revolution and, you know, he wanted to make the image of Elvis this kind of Jake Rivera-like yeah, yeah. image for Mexicans. Yeah. I think he did one of those people who's turned a novelty act into something he's trying to make a statement with, which I think is very endearing, too, because you, as a performer, have to realize when the joke gets stale, you've got to do something to make it a little bit more lively. And seeing him, I said, well, we saw him do a Christmas show a couple of years ago, and it was fun to see him in a guy kind of trapped in his act, like he's been yeah. doing it for so long. There's some choreography that he's still doing that maybe he's not physically capable of executing <laughs> oh, at dear. the same level. There's some flips. and But when he does, he also wants to draw attention to the audience like, hey, look, I still got it, you guys. <laughs> Which makes me realize he's been doing Elvis longer than Elvis did, right? I mean... Has he been doing almost 25, 30 years? Well, at least 30. I got to say, I got to say 30 years back in mid 80s. Uh, 27 or so years from what what I saw, from like the articles that I read and the interviews. Yeah. Like there was one that was with LA Weekly that came out a couple years ago and he's been doing it for 25 years. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's amazing that he's been around for, yeah, like you said, longer than Elvis. Yeah. I saw him open for Morrissey. Uh, Are you the, serious? And the Oi Esteban tour, like up in uh, Santa Barbara, the Arlington Theater. And he came out. And I ne- that was the first time I'd ever heard of him. So maybe yeah. he definitely did have an impression, uh, you know, left an impression. But he came on and did his shtick. And, uh, you know, Morrissey has a very strange uh, Hispanic yeah. uh, love affair mm-hmm. and vice versa with, with Angeli- Los Angelinos yeah. and Mexicans. And I remember being in high school and there's uh, this dude it up. Mexican kid 
and he had like these cowboy belt buckles on and like in a Mexican shirt and a big hat. Loved the shit out of Morse. <laughs> so I wonder how much that transferred over between the two or how those two communities, I still yeah. I still haven't done yeah. any sort it's, of research on yeah, it. Yeah, it's but, a little bit of kind of calculus that you yeah. have to kind of put together. Okay, Richard, what your second is what? Well, then I will segue into another musical, more musical kind of almost parody version of it. That would be the Red Elvises. Oh, great. Oh, wow. um, and I remember seeing them back in the, you know, whatever it was, early 90s, I guess. Being, even in college, we'd go to the Third Street Promenade and they'd have the musicians out there or Venice or places like that. And you would always see the, the Red Elvises. And they were three guys who dressed up in like, I wouldn't say it was exactly like Elvis, but it looked more kind of like 50s lounge singer, ki- like kitsch or 60s. Mm-hmm. And But they all had the Pompadour Elvis hair. And especially the lead singer was more was more Elvis than anything else. And then, like a, a guitar player and a drummer. Then they had a guy who played the balalakas, <laughs> but like yeah. you know the giant guitar. But he played it like a bass. But you know it's the thing that's like mm-hmm. you know three foot t- wide, and he's got it, and he's using that for the bass. And they're legit from Russia. Yeah, they were like okay. from Ukraine. Okay. There's like two or three of them from Ukraine. Met, like met each other when they came here. And then they got another person who yeah. was Russian. Does it feel like they have a particularly Ukrainian or Eastern Bloc? impression of what elvis is is it that sort of like, yeah that's I, what i was kind of that's kind of what i one of the things that really fascinated me because it is almost this you know kaleidoscope funhouse view of elvis plus all of these things that you imagine how the soviets looked at yeah at america probably when these guys were growing up in the 60s uh a couple years ago now it's what's coming up on two years i went to iceland with my wife for our honeymoon and we went to a couple different, we went to like, we were down in like a downtown Reykjavik, which is one street basically. And there's like the, there's. Oh, Bjork Boulevard. <laughs> With the tech, techno Viking just walking up and down and intimidating people. They have, they have like restaurants. It's like, here's the English pub or here is whatever. Because it, there was the American restaurant. Sounds which like ha- you went to a food court. <laughs> there was a restaurant that was just called the American restaurant, which had this big giant picture of uh, Lenny Kravitz. On the wall. And I thought, that's what? 100% what you think of America is. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then there, we went to a place called Lebowski Bar, which was really exciting because it was like, oh, maybe it's a, it's a big Lebowski-themed bar. It's vaguely big Lebowski-themed. <laughs> they have a couple of, like, pictures on there. But there's a very, like, Americana impression of it that stemmed out of the 50s, feels like you're in maybe, like, a malt shop or something, mm-hmm. that you're like, you're you're close. Yeah, you're close. You're, yeah. You almost got it. And like the Red Elvises feel almost like that where like they've just seen images on TV or maybe right. maybe that's what they think America is or through Elvis who is so global. Right. And the, the interesting thing to me is that they don't, I don't remember them doing a lot of Elvis songs in, in their act, like in their albums. Maybe they do one yeah. Elvis song. They might do two or three songs that are about Elvis. Mm-hmm. But they, it was this kind of surf. I mean, musically, it was kind of like this surf rock, rockabilly yeah. with a kind of a Russian folk mm-hmm. influence on top of it. Yeah, it was pretty entertaining to listen to. I, well, I, I looked up; they're still doing. I think it's just the one lead singer now is the only one I left. Heard of them? Made it feel like they were faking even the Russian thing because this guy was singing a song about how his girlfriend works at the KGB, but he works at Taco Bell, and it just seemed like more of. An act, right? But it must must be real. Must I think real. it was pretty real, yeah. and uh, 
you know, it, it's, I remember seeing, what was that? Uh, Six String Samurai. Uh-huh. That's where I first saw them. It was like this kind of like post Tarantino movie about a, it was like a, like a apocalyptic yeah. uh, gunslinger who looked a lot like Buddy Holly and was referred to as Buddy. And they did a bunch of songs to it. It's just, they're very, it's, it's very specific to like a place and time. Right. The 90s were really fucking weird, is what I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to say, guys. Yeah. Point made. Okay. So uh, we are at our halfway mark. Uh, it's time to flip over the other side of the record, drop the needle, and listen to the second side. But before uh, we do, let's remind you that we have a thriving community of uh, people who enjoy the Mount Rushmore podcast out on Facebook, and we'd like you to come out and uh, meet us there. Uh, it's a place where people can talk about the different episodes that they've listened to and make suggestions for future episodes, give their alternate choices, critique our choices. Uh, you could also find information on our website, mountrushmorepodcast.com. Go to our Twitter at Mount Rushmore Podcast and Instagram and get the conversation with us. We'd love to hear from you. Most of all, we'd love for you to go to the iTunes page, download, rate, and review the episodes because that's really the uh, touch point for a lot of people with our podcasts. And it's a place where you can leave your opinion, good or bad, about what we do here. So thank you. Thank you very much. Now, the second half. Uh, who's up? Michael Winfield. What's your third choice? My third choice is Ken Tarleton, a.k.a. Trooper Elvis. Oh, wow. Or Elvis Trooper. What? Uh, Not familiar with this. I will show you a picture in just a second. Okay. I'll, I'll, give, I'll, at... give, I'll give a bit of a preface and then <laughs> I'll, I'll show you what he's about. So uh, he is a person who is a Elvis slash Stormtrooper cosplay guy that has been going around to the various comic cons over the years, uh, dressed up as, originally it was just kind of like, I think he must have done some sort of Elvis impersonation beforehand. And then he got involved with the 501st, which is like the official, unofficial Stormtrooper cosplay group that kind of gets together. They're kind of loosely affiliated with Lucasfilm now. They help people build their own stormtrooper costumes and have templates and stuff for it and also do a ton of community work. But what I did like about this one, and I'll show you a picture, is he started out just as like Elvis, just like dressed up like a stormtrooper. Looks like Rob Schneider playing Elvis <laughs> a little bit. You can take off. You know, like my he, accountant playing Elvis. He would, you Rob know, Schneider's your accountant? <laughs> yeah. If I got to talk to you. You may have some money problems. If you've been you to, can do it. You can go get a big rebate. I'm sorry. That's okay. If you've been to if you've been to Comic Con, you know a big part about a big aspect of it is taking pictures with all the people that are dressed up. And so at some point he must have moved from just this being a stormtrooper who looks like Elvis. He started realizing, hold on, I can turn this into my own thing. And within a couple of years, he was duded out in like a full stormtrooper, like an Elvis storm, (laughs) as if Elvis had. Yeah. Glommed onto a stormtrooper outfit. Yeah. And that became his kind of personality. <laughs> um, and you'll you'll almost see that with within like the cosplay world where it's not just someone dressed up as Boba Fett. It's yeah. someone's dressed up as the this version of yeah. Boba Fett the or Chicano whatever. Batman or the Yeah. And you know, as much as much as all of these Elvis impersonators go out there and some of them perform, they're all trying to get to a look and mm-hmm. this iconic look. And eventually, 
Don't you know it? Ghostbusters Elvis. What is happening? Oh, wow. Where he started just applying this this look the Elvis to overlay. all these different yeah. uh, things. Ghostbusters Elvis. Here's another one. Elvis Han Solo. <laughs> what I like about him is there he's basically doing, and we'll put these pictures up, he's basically doing the same pose yeah. Yeah. over and over <laughs> and over. And of course... Where would you be without Indiana Elvis, or as he calls him, Memphis Elvis? Memphis Elvis. No, Mem- Memphis Jones. Maybe Memphis Jones. Jones. But I just like I like the visual aspect of Elvis uh-huh. Presley, and I like the idea that this guy has gone out there way out of his way, and it's not even out of his way. This is his his life has become this, and the last update to his webpage was in 2010. <laughs> I assume he's still out there. I bet if you looked at like. You know, pictures from like comic book resources or yeah. whatever of d- different sources for mm-hmm. Comic Con over the years. I bet he's still out there doing it and probably still a member. And I think we need to do a welfare check because if we haven't heard from him in seven years, I'm assuming <laughs> he's just literally buried in pussy. <laughs> the iconography of Elvis is such that you can slap those glasses and sideburns on any other character, and now you've got this amalgam. <laughs> right. You've got this new character, and it's almost like two great tastes go together. You love. Obviously, Han Solo. You love Elvis, so you're going to go up and want to get a picture taken with this guy. I'd like to see, like, old Elvis slapped onto young Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one, of them, yeah. one of them crossing over. Not, it's not quite right. You think, right? it's like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm old, young oh, yeah. Elvis. I'm he, young, old Elvis. He looks like something you would create, like, in a video game where you have a character creator, yeah, yeah. where you've got thousands of images, <laughs> thousands of different things to choose from. And you start out making Elvis, yeah. and then you want to make a. Then you say, "Oh, what if what if he was Han Solo?" Yeah. And then you add add like a fedora. Oh no, he's Indiana Jones. Then he's wrestling the Undertaker in your video game. Right, exactly, like exactly one of those old WWF <laughs> games where you can make your own person. Yeah. You would make Memphis Jones. I do wonder if there's another guy in the five hundred first who he loves Kenny Loggins and he tries Loggins <laughs> Trooper and just doesn't get the same response. <laughs> Come on, guys. Uh, somewhere there's a Carl Perkins trooper <laughs> yeah, who is just Carl like Perkins bitter trooper. about 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 being uh, upstaged by Elvis trooper. Uh, the J- Tesh, tr- Tesh trooper is not getting any. You think John, people love John Tesh. They love stormtroopers. Okay, Richard, you're up. Okay, so my third one is Bruce Campbell as, air quotes, Elvis in the movie Bubba Hotel. All right. I never saw this. I, I thought about this, but I, I disqualified myself being like I've never seen this, so... It's interesting. Yeah. Well, read, reading it's about it, it's real interesting. Like a hell of a movie. If you guys have not heard of it, seen it, a uh, brief recap is Elvis had switched place with someone who looked like him. And then the person, so, so he could go off and live a normal life for a few years. And then the person died. So there's no way for Elvis to get back to his, like, being famous. So he winds up just living out his normal life and he's like oh, in he, an old he, folks' home. Did he switch into his, did he jump into his body? Like Quantum Leap style, or, or no, no, he had he had like hired somebody who looked like him. Oh, okay, to okay. like play him while he went off to go gotcha. try and live a normal life for a few years. I then gotcha. the guy who was playing him died, <laughs> so he was stuck. Um, so he winds up in an old folks' home with Ozzy Davis as an elderly black man who insists that he's JFK, and had been had not actually been assassinated, had lived, and they had like dyed him dyed his skin black, and I don't, I don't remember the full. Sure. details but it's weird and eventually a uh 
a mummy comes. Yes. It falls, literally, I think, falls off of the back of a truck from someone who's trying to steal it. That's usually what happens. <laughs> as, as happens Classic. in Scooby-Doo commercials, <laughs> or car- cartoons. Classic mummy. So the last 45 minutes of the movie is them trying to figure out how to kill this mummy because it's like killing people in the old folks home, even though they both know they're very, like, physically not able to do this anymore. I think Ozzy Davis may be in a wheelchair, and I think Elvis has, like, a, a walker or a cane or something. And it's interesting because it is as much of a more, uh, the movie itself is more of a, as much of a, as insane as the plot is. It does take kind of the idea of aging and dealing with mortality kind of seriously. It's interesting. It makes me think about the whole, again, the idea of what happened if, what would have happened if Elvis would have lived to be like 70, 75 would our perceptions of him change? Would mm-hmm. we have Elvis impersonators all over the place? Yeah, I, I probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what Elvis would have done in the eighties. Had Robert Goulet died at a young age, I don't it's know if there'd to, be that kind of adoration. It's hard, yeah. it's hard to say because we, t- you know, Michael Jackson impersonators have always been around. It seems like even though he was still alive up until. Ten years ago, eight years ago, however long it hasn't been that long since he's passed away. But right. like, like I wonder if it, all it requires is you to be so easily imageable, or so you can. There's some, you know, th- these people reach these pop culture statuses that are just universally known. And I, I wonder if he, if Elvis had already got to that level where, oh yeah, he's. He's immortalized in both these young versions, these old versions. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you see all the Ringo Starr impersonators today, and you think, <laughs> yeah, that's probably the case. Like, no, I don't. But maybe, but maybe. No, I no. Seriously, I don't know. It's a, it's just a, it's a good question. I don't because were there the Michael Jack were there the Michael Jackson impersonators while he was still? It's, it was always like they were impersonating an era before. It was like. You know, you would have the Michael Jackson impersonators in the '90s doing the '80s Michael Jackson. Well, sure. There was there was, it was never like you're, they were impersonating. Maybe this is the thing about about impressions or I do feel like once his ETAs face, in general. Once it once his face became a mask, then I saw, think I saw more impersonators of him because you could just literally put on a mask, right? And you could be black or white or white. <laughs> so yeah. um, and. Bruce Campbell does great Elvis. Yeah. And it's just, it's again, it's fascinating to see Elvis in this really bizarre setup. And you start to think to yourself, okay, well, why did they choose Elvis? Was it just because of, hey, wouldn't it wouldn't be funny. People still think he's alive, blah, blah, blah. And there's part of that, but I think it was also this idea of here's somebody who died young and what would have happened if he would have got older and kind of gone through the aging and you know, the process that everyone goes through as they, as they get older. Well, it would be interesting to see if he had like a third phase. If he had young Elvis, then he had, you know, Vegas Elvis phase. And then if there was, you know, he was in his 50s and 60s and he had whatever that version. If there was enough, if if he had another iconic look in him. Or if he would have done like a Johnny Cash, like would he have been recording yeah. with Rick Rubin? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean like something revival. like that, yeah. If uh, Steve Binder can help revive Elvis in this 68 comeback special, you know, he took him out of those travelogue movies that he'd done, reminded people that he was sexy, had him slim down with uh, diet pills and fit into a leather suit again. I feel like he could have done it again, just like Cash did right? in some way. So, or, or 
aged into another phase like Neil Diamond or something like that, where he, what year, he became adult contemporary. What year did Elvis die? 77. 77. Same year Star Wars came out. Kind of weird, right? Wait a second. Star what? Wars Stormtrooper. We don't see who's under. Oh, my under. gosh. We don't see who's under those masks in 77. <laughs> well, we, we now know there's at least one black Stormtrooper. <laughs> so maybe the Elvis Stormtrooper just ripped everything off from him. Heartbreak Hotel. Detention Block AC D23. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, I, I guess this is uh, Michael's final choice. My last choice is Elvis Herselvis. Which oh. is Lee Crow, which is a female uh, Elvis impersonator who has been making the rounds since the mid '90s, and she is uh, a gay impersonator. Uh, I guess she calls herself a drag king to fool with <laughs> to swip, swap things around a little bit, but then also to play on the Elvis's uh, uh, his rank and his kingdom. Yeah, this kingdom leanness, his. <laughs> What's that word? His royalty. His royalty. Thank you. Fiefdom. His fiefdom. Um, and she does just a stellar mm-hmm. Elvis impression. And um, I looked for. I couldn't see anything where she was actually. I saw something where she was doing Elvis doing Shatner or something like that's meta right there. Yeah, uh, I have a couple pictures of her, but she. Um, part of her act was definitely about like breaking a gender stereotype of this is someone. Elvis and a 1950s culture are something that a, to use her own words, like a dyke culture could really get behind. Uh-huh. Easy to impersonate. It was a very, he, he had a look that could be copied by yeah. both genders. I think I'd read, you know, Elvis ultimately became a parody of himself and ultimately kind of became a male impersonator. His, his masculine overboard identity was something where you could just, grab like a few characteristic elements and really play it up big. He became his Halloween costume. Yeah. Yeah. And part of it is, I I think for her, part of it was confronting the people in part that said, this is like this last kind of male masculinity, this icon of masculinity that uh, men felt really uncomfortable with Uh a, a woman doing and changing up. And, you know, that really made her, come out in a certain way and be okay with her own uh, sexuality Uh and her own, uh, you know, dressing up in drag. And I think that it's amazing to see Elvis as a character who can do that. Yeah. Who can allow people to be who they are and who they are might be Elvis. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you're kind of a man or woman. So this is interesting because I seem to remember seeing Katie Lang Earlier in her career. That is someone that they that she's referenced. Yeah, like in the mid-80s, like before she became like Constant Craving and all this, she was more of like this, like, not bizarro, but she would, a lot of times would come out like in these, with her short, short hair, yeah. but then like the 50s Patsy Cline, like super Loretta yeah. Lynn type dresses and do other stuff like that. And I remember at some point, I seem to remember her on Letterman dressing up as Elvis and doing mm-hmm. a song. Yeah, that seems about right. Yeah, so it seems like it's something in that world. Yeah, she. I watched the Pee Wee Herman Christmas special again this holiday, and she does a kooky, kooky holiday song, and it does oh, yeah. have an Elvis kind of uh, tint to it. Hmm. Um, the 
what, the weirdest gig I ever had as a performer was playing Elvis at a Dell computer convention in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. The <laughs> the treasure trove of doing this podcast has opened up again. Can, can we get the, uh, the the vault opening <laughs> sounds right here? Oh, there here is. we go. Here's, and here's the gleaming sound effect <laughs> as if we're just seeing this mountain of coins. That's the depth that is Jeff Hopkins. Please, sorry I, to interrupt. I needed the $45. And uh, the best way I've ever experienced Las Vegas is as the uh, Vegas Elvis because people will walk right up to you. They'll be so happy to see you. They call you King. They call you Elvis. They immediately warm to you. It's like being Santa Claus around Christmas. And it it just opens this world of goodwill up to you that if you were another, like if you were maybe Spider-Man or somebody on the street, you know, maybe they might, I don't know what how they'd react to you, but you have a face, you have the wig, you have all the jewelry. Everybody can do an okay clowny kind of Elvis. So they'll get in a picture and you'll both clown as Elvis. So it was the best time. Women grab you. <laughs> Guys high five you. Guys grab you. Guys grab you. Um, wait, and wait, and get back to the CompuServe deals that we were oh, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dell computer. Dell computer, sorry. It's not gateway or comp. Uh, but the uh, that was the best freaking time. And you know what? I think uh, Elvis is kind of like pizza. Uh, bad pizza is still good pizza. Bad Elvis impersonation. People <laughs> still dig it. Elvis didn't go ha 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 all the time. But if you were doing an impersonation, you just go ha 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 all the time. And people love it. <laughs> now, folks, let, me, let, let me tell you about a, a <laughs> Pentium. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about the 386. Oh, oh, yeah, probably okay. back there. Yeah. Uh, it was a blast. Okay, what's our last one? My last one is Val Kilmer playing Elvis slash as he's credited, mentor in the movie True Romance. Again, if you haven't seen the movie, real brief, um, Christian Slater's main character is kind of, I think, kind of nuts. And he has visions of Elvis talking to him and kind of mentoring him with what to do because he's a huge Elvis fan. And Val Kilmer plays Elvis. And he just sort of appears to him sort of in the shadows and will tell him, I think he gets him into the original story because he tells him to rescue Patricia Arquette, who's playing a prostitute. And then he tells him to go through with the final heist scene that, that winds up uh, ending the movie. Yeah. You'd be surprised to know that Val Kilmer kind of went batshit crazy playing Elvis. <laughs> um, he had originally wanted to play Batman the- crazy. <laughs> He had actually originally wanted to play Bat or Catwoman, so he sh- no. He he wanted to play the Christian Slater character, but Tony Scott, the director, thought he would be much better for Elvis. So he decided, okay, I'm going to be Elvis. He would answer the phone as Elvis. He would call Tony Scott in the middle of the night to sing Elvis songs to him. Keep in mind, he's in like I don't know three, four scenes in the movie, maybe total. This is this is the depth that Val Kilmer, thespian. We'll go to. That's cage level wackiness from Kilmer. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's an impressive level of, of batshit craziness. Yeah, yeah. This is also the same person who brought, uh, uh, what was the movie with him and Michael Douglas where they're hunting the lions? Oh, the ghost and ghost the, in the darkness. Darkness. Yeah. I think he brought someone to like on set to like just to work on his wigs. Oh. Round the clock for the movie. <laughs> I thought he was going to bring someone on set to be a lion and just, <laughs> so, hang, just have, hang out and be like, wow. <laughs> I thought he said, <laughs> I said, I want a wingman. Wigman? Nah, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so uh, crazy Kilmer. Yeah. yeah, crazy got crazy Kilmer. It's this idea, I think, of Elvis as, because let's be honest, you wouldn't really want to take advice from Elvis in real life. Yeah. 
Elvis seems like he's really full of bad advice. Mm-hmm. If you take advice from El- it's like the George Costanza thing. You pretty much do the opposite of whatever Elvis tells you to do. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and your life will be better. I think what's interesting about that is thinking of, um, of how many times ultimately Val Kilmer kind of played Elvis as Nick Rivers in top secret. Right? Yeah. So I could see how he kind of wanted his return to form perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He was the young, at least a young American pop star. Yeah, he was. I was yeah. definitely, definitely modeled on him at least. So yeah. I, I, I just love that. The idea of, getting advice from Elvis. It just cracks me up to no level that I think that's a good way to show that your main character is making poor decisions over and over again. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, this is exciting. I think this has been such a fun topic to discuss. Um, not only am I, I'm a huge Elvis fan and have been my whole life. Um, um, at my wedding, um, I, the groom disappeared for a while and came and Elvis came out and, uh, serenaded my, uh, wife and all the guests there. And people were so happy just to see Elvis in Vegas. I got married in Vegas. And so Elvis has always been kind of a touchstone for me. And one thing I, I love about Elvis is the theatricality and the corniness. And the guy lived his career, you know, kind of true to who he was. But it was also a hodgepodge of things he'd music he'd stolen from <laughs> the African-American right. community. And, and uh, you know, kind of identity stolen from... Um, Carl Perkins and and all all these other things, but always seemed to do it on his own terms. So, just so we're clear, you got married at a Dell convention. <laughs> Is that what happened? Vegas and Elvis and me have a long history, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I, I've just had a fun time also listening uh, to Michael and Richard come through with their logic for their choices that they've made. So, what I find is fascinating is. I always try to find a through line with what they've chosen. And I think it was interesting how Michael, um, his choices were seem to be steeped in the personal mythology of Elvis, the iconography of Elvis, and using Elvis as a way for people to interface with the world. I think of uh, Andy Kaufman and that stand-up comedy character as a way to go from this uh, kind of hapless foreign man to this very skilled uh, entertainer. Uh, with the uh, simple tear-off of some tear-away things on his pants, I think, as, as he transformed and the transformation of uh, Elvez, uh, the Mexican Elvis, into somebody who can use that as a platform to cover New York Doll songs or uh, Bowie songs or, or even kind of take the uh, protest imagery of Che Guevara and take it to another level. And Elvis Trooper, here, here's this guy having just a blast because that's what those cons are about. They're about role play and having a great time and doing something unique. So I thought it was really cool that you th- the through line, especially with uh, uh, the drag king Elvis herself us using that as a way to kind of bust through some expectations about um, what a person can be into and even kind of pushing some buttons that might be a little bit sensitive about uh, for some of the, some of the viewers. So that was really cool. And Richard, I think you what was interesting about you is the um, I, idea of having a good time with the mythology of Elvis, the entertainer, but taking all these characters on a journey with Ty Elvis, you know, not only you're going from uh, um, Los Angeles into a Thai restaurant, but into this world, charming little world that, uh, that this guy created, and the Red Elvis is going from uh, Ukraine to the U.S. Baba Hotep, uh, Elvis taking somebody on a journey, basically from living to dead in the afterlife, and then uh, obviously uh, the mentor of uh, uh, in True Romance, um, giving this guy uh, advice on his journey uh, into adulthood, which is True ma- Romance was ultimately the ultimate story about losing your virginity and having a great time doing it. So, all right, so. Um, I'm really excited to kind of pick these. It was just incredibly hard because you guys each picked some really novel things. 
just because he, like Elvis, is somebody who we uh, question whether he is still with us or not, uh, I'd like to choose Andy Kaufman in the fourth spot. And um, the uh, I just really loved kind of digging in deep with uh, the Southern California pop culture and pulling out the red Elvis. So that's going into the third spot. Um, and then I, I saw him and really enjoyed him in, in his performance. So um, I'd like to pick the Elvez in the second spot. And just because I think it's just a strong statement, it, it kind of summarizes the power of the iconography that we can even use it to beat up the hegemony. Uh, in the number one spot is maybe one of the more obscure choices in this whole list, and that would be the Elvis Herselvis coming in at the number one spot. So, there we go. Is it... Uh, how, do we, how, how do we feel about that one, you guys? Yeah. I feel okay. I mean, Andy Kaufman was a no-brainer. Elvis was a no-brainer. I don't know if I feel great about... Elvis Herselvis? Yeah. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me how you feel. Are you my therapist? Show me on the doll. <laughs> where Elvis touched where Elvis you. Touched you. <laughs> where Elvis herself has touched him. So I, That'd right, be exciting. So, right, right, so, so, right in our hearts. What, what, so, yeah, let's... Let, well, I just... I don't know who the hell she is. Yeah. I, I don't know how she can be... A, a, like, she doesn't feel very iconic to me. Uh, I think the iconography is what I'm talking about. All right. And nobody else in this is using Elvis as a way to... Um, for personal expression of their identity as a drag king. I just think it does a lot for this person. So, Why you got to do Ty Elvis like that? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. It sounds like last time, last time I saw Elvis, I think Ty Elvis had already been done, if you ask me. He seemed like he was, was kind of... post-stroke, possibly? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, next week, guys, we're doing... Okay, who's we're, top? Who's, what would you pick as number one? Well, number one, I'd probably still pick Gandy Kaufman. Okay. So. Hey, guys, this, this, isn't, this isn't a ranking of top four Elvises. Oh, yeah. yeah, but Elvis's that go on there. There's yeah, four yeah. of them. Yeah. No, 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 I got that. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know. Uh, yeah. You know. Okay. Right. Uh, we're doing uh, fake Elvis <laughs> Costellos next week, you guys. <laughs> fake Elvis Costellos. Um, who's, the, who's, uh, who's, the, who's the Elvis? Who's the guy in Santa Monica and the KCRW? Elvis, Elvis Mitchell. Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell. Fake Elvis Mitchells. Okay, so, um, hey, this has been the Mount Rushmore Podcast, uh, you hound dogs. Uh, I am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> it had to be said. <laughs> <laughs>